You're listening to Fish Food, where we present bite-sized accounting and entrepreneurship advice in 25 minutes or less. Keep listening for interviews, guidance, and resources for freelancers and small businesses. And if you enjoy, rate and subscribe to let others know about the gem you found. Now, let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome to Fish Food. I am, as usual, very excited to invite one of my friends on the podcast who is doing big things on the HRN. And I honestly think that this is something that's important that we don't talk about enough as small business owners. Little Fish went through some hiring changes and adjustments and all of that earlier this year, and it really put on my heart how important that side of the business is that generally really tiny businesses don't have access to. And so I'm excited to talk to Tiffany about her business, how it supports small business owners in that way and individuals and a little bit about her story. So hello, Tiffany, welcome to the podcast. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. No problem. I think you're our first repeat because we had a session about resumes and cover letters and all of that. I'll drop in the show notes what episode that was. We did. Well, that's exciting. I didn't know it was the first to do anything. So that's exciting for me. Yes. So why don't we start with you telling the listeners a bit about your business? So Pitch is essentially a resume writing, ghost writing, mobile notary, interview prep. We do a little bit of everything, but we're really focused on individuals and making sure that they are presenting themselves in the best light possible through every avenue um, that's related to their professional presence. So whether that's your LinkedIn, your resume, or just how you present in person when you're showing up for an interview, we just want to make sure that you have everything that you need. And some of those supplemental services are things that just kind of came about because I realized people are always looking for a notary and I forget that I am one. So I put that in there too. Just everything that people need to get their jobs done and present themselves in the best light. So what made you want to do this? What led you to this place of like, I need to start pitch? That's actually a really good question. I've been working on resumes probably for at least 10 years at this point, but I didn't make the decision to turn it into a business until this year. And by by saying a business, I mean official for my LLC, um, mostly because people kept saying, why don't you have this as a business? I actually remember you were very pivotal in me making that decision (laughs) because I was constantly (laughs) doing it and it is a job. It is a business. And it just, I think it took me hearing it a couple times to actually make good on the move to turn it into a legitimate company. But I, I, I work in HR, so it makes sense. I interview people and look at resumes essentially for a living. And so I just had to translate what I do for other companies and, and turn it into something I can do for individuals. Seemed like a natural progression for me. And I just really enjoy doing it. Which leads me to my next question, because I know you. So I know that you are multi-passionate and that you do a lot of things well. Is this what you thought you'd be doing? Like, how did you get to HR as an employee and as a business owner? Actually, no. If if you would have asked me if I thought this is what I was going to be doing, the answer would be no. Originally, back in my original days, my first round of school, I would say, I thought I was going to go to SCAD and major in design and do graphic design work, work for a magazine, do layouts. 
And, you know, I come from a family of uh, immigrants and that just wasn't a real thing. And they were like, no, that's not a job. Art doesn't pay bills. So <laughs> I went the traditional route and struggled and floundered a bit, to be honest. I, I mean, I made it out eventually and I got a job because that's just what you're supposed to do. But there was no passion behind what I was doing. And I'm not the person who thinks that you have to be passionate about every single thing that you do in a day. Sometimes, you know, we just have to do things and we have to work because bills, they come, they come at the same time every month. But my career path, which was originally, I guess you'd say healthcare administration, it kind of felt like a dead end. Like you're sitting in a chair, you're doing the same thing every day. I enjoyed what I did, but I didn't make enough money and I didn't have enough impact. And I'm one of those people where I feel like what I do has to make sense, number one, and it has to have a purpose and it doesn't have to be the deepest purpose ever, but it just has to feel like it has some sort of purpose. And uh, it has to mean something. Right, right. So I actually really started to enjoy working with people and was speaking with the HR department. I got an internship with the state and quit my full-time job, which was crazy, you know, but I, I did it. And I haven't looked back since. I really enjoyed working with people in a different capacity where you can help them, but help them in a different way. And how do you feel like what you originally wanted to do and kind of how this path brought you here, do they feel intertwined to you? Do you see any common threads between like what you originally wanted to do and the things that you're doing now for people? Actually, I do. It hit me one day. It's it's almost like my two worlds of art and, and what has turned into writing a bit have collided because when I work on a resume, I feel like it's my resume, even though it's not. And I take my time to make sure that it looks good, that the font fits the, the genre that you're going for, the industry that you're in. And I, I, I realize the balancing out of the white space, the things that I feel like are very important when you're creating a resume that people don't necessarily always think about, that still fits into what I originally wanted to do, which again was magazine. So I'm like, look at this. Somehow it worked out. It just, it just has a different look to it, but it's the same thing. I still get to be a little creative. That's pretty cool because I don't think I would have thought about like resume writing and profiles and all of that as in a creative endeavor, but it really is. It's something that I have always struggled with because I'm very tactical and I just want to be like, I do this, hire me. But mm -hmm. it really takes an <laughs> art form to kind of massage that in a way that's going to be, that is not, that's going to incentivize hiring managers and the people that are looking at your paperwork to want to give right. you the next step, whether that's an interview or a job. Right, right, right. And that's what is, I guess, the biggest game changer when it comes to resumes. That's in my opinion. You know, there are a lot of people who write resumes. You can go to a company and get a resume, you know, it's, it's just, it's not going to be like my resume, put it that way. I feel like each resume that I do, it is this own unique piece of art, this little piece of art that I get to help create um, and hopefully help you land your next position. That's really how I feel about each one. I, I give a lot of time to each resume. No one gets the same resume as the next person. And I think that's why like on my profile or anywhere you see where I have to say who I am and what I do, I never necessarily write resume writer because I feel like I do more than that. So I call myself a career cultivation enthusiast for a reason because I am excited about you landing your next role. I'm excited about your resume. I want to know you. You know, I always tell people we go through these discovery calls so I can find out what you do. Tell me, you know, where you're coming from, where you're trying to go. And I've honestly built friendships with people whose resumes I've written because 
I just like, tell me more. Like, what, what are you cooking this weekend? Like we just end up talking and it just leads to so much more. Okay. So I want to ask a question that I feel like a lot of people might be thinking is why is this important? I imagine that a bunch of people are like, you apply online, anybody looking at this, I'm just going to fill out my resume and I've quote gotten jobs before. Why do I even need someone to look at this more in depth and create art out of it for something that feels like a pretty mundane document? Well, it's important. I, 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 that's a, it's a good question. And I can tell you why it's important because like you said, you filled out applications before. You feel like nobody's gonna look at it. I can't tell you how many applications I've filled out in my lifetime, even before I developed my skill in writing resumes. There are thousands of people applying to the same job that you're applying to. Bare minimum hundreds of people. Actually, the average job posting gets at least 250 applicants that actually make it through all the filters. Companies wow. aren't sitting there. There's no, there's usually not a person like me sitting there looking through every single resume. It's set up in such a way that we use an applicant tracking system. And that system is set up to filter out resumes that don't seem to be a match. So not only does your resume have to be clear and concise, but it has to give the information that actually matters to a person who's trying to fill that position. You have to talk about certain keywords. You have to give certain quantifiable metrics, but you also wanna make sure that you have a document that doesn't look like it was doctored up for the purpose of bypassing filters. You know, There are people who do that kind of thing. Like they will take the whole job description and put it in white, like in the margin so that the words get highlighted on the document. They do oh, weird wow. things. Oh yeah, there are people who do things like that, but they don't know what it looks like on the other side to a person like me who's using an applicant tracking system I can see all of that. So I know that you just think that you're going to get pushed to the top. So it matters because you want to have someone who has experience working in the industry. I've worked in several industries. I've worked for a law firm. I've worked in healthcare. I worked in technology. Like I've worked in a ton of different places. So I know what people are looking for. And I know that your document needs to be able to stand in an applicant tracking system as well as when somebody decides to print it out. But you got to get to that point first. And you want to be able to look at it whole, you know, as a whole document and holistically. Not everybody can do that. Like you said, people want to just say what they do. But you want some personality too. So there's a way to combine all of that when creating your resume. That's so interesting. Like I, so before some people who are listening know, before I did Little Fish, I worked in the government. And because all of my stuff went through like the federal system, I had gotten very used to, I know what words you need to see, but I'm also already in here. So as long as I meet the grade qualifications and I work in a department that would be interesting for them to look at. There was a lot of work that I wasn't doing to like manipulate things, which is very different from what ends up mm -hmm. happening on the back end in corporate America, which I did before I did the government, but I had been doing that for like a decade. And so I would imagine that as technology improves and all of that stuff keeps changing, the onus being on the applicant to really know what's going on behind the scenes to make their resume inviting gets harder and harder. It does and it doesn't. It's that's that's a weird thing about resumes. Like right now, you'll see people want to put a picture in the corner. They want to use cool colors, graphics and all kinds of you don't need any of that. 
resumes have been resumes since the beginning of time and they are actually pretty simple. You know, it's, I feel like it's kind of similar to working on taxes, like taxes change, the rules may change a bit, but essentially it's still the same. Those tax forms probably been the same since the beginning of time. Right. That's just kind of how I relate it. The people who I know who are also resume writers like myself, they are using very simple streamlined templates that they create themselves, but there's nothing fancy or crazy about it. You don't have to do all that extra stuff. You just have to give them the information that they need that counts. And I'll tell you one thing that people fail to understand, especially like you mentioned, the technology, things that have changed, your verb tense, that matters. Some of these applicant tracking systems, I'm not going to lie, some of them are trash. So if they're saying that they need someone and, and the word says manages teams, like you can't have a statement that says I managed all the time. Like you can't, that necessarily won't translate the same. Some of them it does. A lot of them it does. And it'll pick up and knows that it's a different tense. Um, but there are others that don't pick up on that. And it'll, it won't count that you managed because it says they, they are looking for manages, which is really stupid. But people it are is, and we get you caught up. Update these applicant systems. Yep. So, you know, it's just being crafty, and really, it's all about wordsmithing. That is my favorite thing to do. It's all about wordsmithing and kind of fitting the pieces of the puzzle together. So, I ask this because I know that you're super passionate about this. Obviously, the listeners can very much tell that this is something that's important <laughs> to you. Um, and I also know that you work full time, so I don't necessarily believe that everything that you do on the side is a side hustle, but I want to talk more about your decision to work full-time and really pursue this mission and passion outside of full-time work. Why are you making that decision? And is it something that you want to change or do you like having them both lined up this way? I'd say right now, I like having them both. I have toyed with the idea of maybe working less hours at my full-time job and putting more hours into pitch because I'll be honest with you it's not easy essentially I work maybe nine hours at my corporate job and then after I log off there I usually don't even take a break in between I pick right up and I start working on resumes and and you know taking calls for interview prep I don't ever really stop working and then even when I get in the bed my laptop is my man right now. So like I'm working when I get in the bed and it's, it can be exhausting. I won't lie, but it is also very fulfilling, which I think is important. And it also gives me the opportunity to connect with people. That's a bit difficult right now, especially given that a lot of us are working from home, which I do. I work from home. I go to the office once a week to get the mail. When I tell you that, that one day that I get in the car and I go out on 20 and I'm heading to the office, it's, it's like a burst of fresh air. But you got somewhere it, to be. Hard. I got somewhere to be. I got to be back, you know, but it's it's still hard, but I enjoy it. But I also know there's a better way that I could be doing it. So I'm now um, starting. What is it? The four day work week. I'm starting that. I'm trying to learn ways to help me maintain my productivity and improve my productivity while also being mindful of my stress levels, um, whether I can feel it or not. There's 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 stresses there. Um, and also just being at my best so I can serve my clients at their best. 
What is your mission for Pitch? So as you move towards this being more work, whether that's full-time or just a bigger chunk of part-time, what does it mean to you or what do you want Pitch to put out into the world as the business grows? I think my mission is to really help people understand that they can tackle the Goliath that is corporate America usually, whether you're working private sector or you're working for the government, if you want that job, you can give yourself a fighting chance at getting that job. And if you don't get the job, understand that it's not always you. It's, it's not that you're not adequate enough for that job. That's a, that's a conversation I find myself having with people pretty regularly. You know, it's not that you're not qualified. It's not that you're not good enough. A lot of these jobs, Somebody already has a friend in mind, but they got to post it for compliance sake. You know, don't beat yourself up. It's coming. The job that's for you is for you. I know as cliche as that sounds, it's true. Like I was in a place at one point in my job where I was like, what, what am I doing? Like, am I even supposed to be here? People had me feeling crazy, but it's for me. And, and I move about the corporate space in a, in a certain way where I maintain my authenticity and, you know, I come with my skill set and either you love me or you don't, but I'm here. And I just kind of, I have a certain confidence level in my career journey that I want others to have as well. So that's what I'm here to help people do. I really want people to have that confidence and then show it on paper. That's so cool. And I feel like it is a part that a lot of individuals need to hear. Like if that's the gem that y'all take from this, like <laughs> there is an opportunity for you to get what you want. And, you know, we talk about this in the entrepreneurial space a lot where I say, if your business quote fails, it's not because your idea wasn't good. You might've been priced wrong. You might not have been making enough. Your cash flow might have been off. But this idea of self-worth being tied to whether or not somebody gives you the opportunity to put your expertise into the world, whether that's being an entrepreneur or working for a business, they're not as connected as we make them. And so if you have the support of an expert, whether an accountant or a resume writer, somebody that's on your team to say, you can have access to this too. You just don't know the tricks and tips that I know to get you there. Exactly. Exactly. That's so true. You just hit it on the head. But, you know, I think it also ties into, let's see, a truth that I've kind of found with a lot of people this year is that people don't want to ask for help. I think, and, and I'm going to say, especially Black people, I'm going to say we, we are guilty of always thinking we can do everything. And whether we're doing everything for ourselves or everything for everyone else, we tend to not ask for uh, assistance when and where we need it. And it is perfectly okay. And it is, I think it is, should be encouraged to pass along your resume or whatever you're writing to someone to have, you know, a second look at it or whatever it is that you're working on. Like get that business or a company mentor that you wanted, get an accountant, talk to them. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt to do it. It will only help you. So I I've been encouraging people, even if it's not coming to me, talk to someone, you might need a mentor. Some people have really, really benefited from that. And to not be embarrassed, to not feel like you don't want anybody to see. I mean, I often think about when it comes to resumes, if you're willing to send this out to a person that you want to hire you, why wouldn't you want to send it to somebody 
who you know, for whom that this is their expertise, or even if you don't know them, this is their job. Why wouldn't you want somebody to see that before you kind of send your final copy off? But yeah, I think that when we have conversations about asking for help, about getting support, I think it demystifies in some ways the misconception that people are doing it on their own. And so if you don't talk to a resume writer, then you just assume that you're the only one that doesn't know how to write yours, that everyone else is just awesome at resume writing and they craft the perfect LinkedIn bio just off of the top of their head or, you know, they write the, I know you hate cover letters, but they write the perfect (laughs) cover letters that like people who are accountants, engineers, technology assistants, Mm -hmm. whoever, whatever jobs that they're doing, they just happen to be really great at also doing this awesome writing behind the scenes. And I think having these conversations is a reminder that they may have asked for help and that's how they got so good at it and maybe can help to not make individuals feel like they're doing something wrong because they don't know how to do it for themselves. Absolutely. And I'm going to tell you, it's a lie. It's a lie. I have I have seen these resumes of these C-suite professionals and these, you know, people who are very advanced in their careers and their resumes are trash to put it to put it lightly. I'm just going to be very honest about that. Some of the people who have excelled in life, honestly, it's just because they know the right people. That is it. That is it. So don't ever underestimate your network. Build upon that because it matters and it counts. And, um, you know, honestly, my network has gotten me in great places. The position I have now, I didn't apply for it. I, I, I knew someone who knew someone and said they suggested me for a role. Same way I got my last job and the one before. It's just, it's just you know, you know, it just really depends on who you know sometimes. But if you get your foot in the door, you also have to be able to back it up. That's that's a big deal. And I'll tell you, when it comes to asking for help as well, one service I do provide that, honestly, a lot of, as, as many people who I thought would use it don't use it, is when I say I ghostwrite for people, if you have a question that you want to go to your manager with, or your manager has wronged you in some way, or you want to communicate with your HR department, um, let's say you were passed up for a promotion and you don't know how to ask your manager about why you were passed up for a promotion. It is so valuable to be able to ask someone like, how do I ask them about this? Because I'll tell you exactly how you need to word it. Once I talk to you and you give me the email they sent you, I will wordsmith the mess out of that email for you. Yeah. Send it in response because there's a way to navigate the workspace. You can't just haul off and be like, you passed me up for this interview, so I'm mad. That's not going to get you the outcome that you want. So whether you're asking for an increase or you're asking your manager for, you know, maybe telework capabilities if that's something you don't have, or you want to find out why you were passed up for a promotion or anything. If you just have a general question, you don't know how to ask about it. Ask a professional. I am HR. That's here. That's what I'm here to do. I help managers respond to things that employees write, and I help employees respond to things that their managers write. Because it's it's nice to kind of have a filter that will help you not say the things you don't need to say and maybe get you the outcome that you want. That's so important. And a reminder that we need to stay ready. Like it's a recurring thing that we talk about here is 
Yeah, if your network or hell, nepotism is what's getting you into a door, Mm -hmm. your resume needs to be set up. You need to be able to come to an interview fully prepared because one, you're acting as a referral source for the people that are sending you over. And so their word is being trusted on you. You don't want to mess that up. But I think the second thing is they've already given you a leg up, but that doesn't get you the job. And so what are the things that you need to have on deck so that when somebody calls up and says, hey, I think that this person would be an excellent ad, you're not suddenly like, oh, they need a resume. Okay, let me go do that and make it real fast. And I should have you something back in a week or two. Like you want to be prepared when those opportunities show up for you. Absolutely. And I've actually been telling my clients, have one long resume with everything you've done. Keep track of the metrics that you need, the quantifiable metrics that you have. Have one long resume with everything. But when you go to apply to a position, you then tailor that resume, make a copy of it or make a second version of it. And you take out the things that don't count towards that job. Tailor it. Be very specific about how you can contribute to that team and to that company. That goes a long way. That goes a really long way. And that's how you always stay ready. If you've got the one long resume that has everything in it and you get referred to a position like how I did, I have that one ready to go regardless. But if I'm applying to something through a system and I don't know anyone, then yes, I'm going to be very tailored, very specific. You know, you can always tweak it here and there, but always keep your resume up to date. Um, And one other tip I found is very, very helpful because I had to start doing this myself after a a strange experience I had in uh, in the workplace, is keep track of your accomplishments. Write them down. I have one long Google Doc where I write everything that I've either contributed, every policy I've written, every issue I've resolved. I keep that in one long running list because if anyone were to ever ask me like, hey, how have you contributed to to the company this year that you've been here? It is a great reminder and it also is a confidence builder. I just had to do my own self-assessment just yesterday, actually, and I'm coming up on my one-year anniversary. And because I'm an HR team of one, I always find myself being like, what, what did I, what did I do? I don't know. I've done so many things. And I said, aha, the list. And I had to go to my list because even I forget what I've done throughout the year. So I think that's a great way to stay ready as well. You have given us so many gems today. I very much appreciate it. I know that everyone that's listening has appreciated it. As the last question that I ask everyone who comes on to the podcast, what is your favorite thing about what you do? Oh, that's a great question. My favorite thing about what I do is helping instill confidence in people. Honestly, that that is it. Like that's when it's all boils down, whether I make money or not, I love that I get to help people rediscover themselves through working on their resumes. They forget how great they are. People forget what they really know how to do. So that's my favorite thing. That's so awesome. We're all about empowerment here and making sure that people are getting what they need in order to, you know, create better lives for themselves, really. So yeah, I know that everybody that's listening who is looking for a job or looking for a better job would definitely be interested in what you do. Tell the people where they can find you on the internet. Absolutely. So the website is pitchhr.com. That's P-I-T-C-H-H-R.com. And on Instagram, we are pitch.hr. Thank you very much. Thank you everyone for listening and we will talk next week. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, there's good news. 
we've got additional free resources for you to get clear on your small business finances. Subscribe to our bi-weekly newsletter by heading to littlefishaccounting.com slash subscribe and check us out on Instagram at littlefishaccounting. Thank you.